0: hey neighbors welcome to the very first money talk monday a short weekly segment of the wealthy neighbor show where we discuss important money topics since you've heard so many other stories from so many other people i thought it was important to start things off by sharing a little bit about my story dating back as far as my childhood so let's jump right in So I wanted to take it back to my childhood. And if we're going to start there, I have to let you guys know that I pretty much grew up dirt poor. I mean, my mom got pregnant with me when she was in high school and she had my two sisters in her early 20s. And so she didn't really reach a place of financial stability until I was in about the ninth grade. Now, my father, on the other hand, went to college, got a degree, got married, and became a teacher fairly early in my life. So there was always this duality of knowing some of my basic needs weren't always met with one parent, but then living an almost completely different life filled with new bikes and video games and short getaways on the weekends and all that kind of stuff when I was with my dad's side of the family. So basically, I'm living in poverty during the week and a middle class life on the weekends, and this talk me a lot about money both good and bad very early in my life because i felt so deprived on one side money was a source of frustration and i guess you can say torment for me but then because i had those experiences with my father i began to associate having money with acquiring things and And I started placing an extreme value on those things because as a child, I didn't always get them. And they were a source of happiness, no matter how short lived that happiness may have been. And it wasn't that I wasn't happy with my mom. I don't want you guys to get that impression. Far from it. I mean, somehow we just always found ways to make the things that we did have work for us as kids. But it is hard to be content with absolutely nothing, especially when you're a child. And, you know, I could never really shake that feeling I had deep down of just wanting a little bit more. Now, the irony is I look back on it now and my father's side of the family wasn't exactly modeling good financial behavior either. But it did feel like it. And not only did it feel like it, it looked like it to other people. And I liked that. The new cars, the clothes, the trips, all of it. I I liked it, even if, you know, we were neglecting more important money goals to get those things. And so this duality I was living was really the breeding ground for a lack of contentment that carried over into my adult life. And not only that, because I had lived with my dad from like my sophomore year in high school, I became accustomed to certain things. So like I just thought that you were supposed to get a car payment when you made a little money. There was a small part of me that liked having the biggest house on our street. And I mean, can you blame me? Like, you know, I grew up in Section 8 housing for a lot of my life up to that point. And so this new life was almost like a dream to me. Things that I used to always think and, and want and desire, even if that financial stress in the household caused a lot of tension for the family. Right. And so because I had always felt you know, kind of deprived during most of my childhood, I had always told myself that when I became an adult and started making money, I'd buy all these things that I was now experiencing in my high school years and that I saw on TV that I thought meant success and fulfillment. And because I had a taste of some of those things every now and then when I was with my dad and I liked it, again I figured that you know it was the key to to some happiness right because at some point I mean these things I, I was feeling happier than I felt as a young child when I didn't have anything and I was being teased for my shoes and all those kinds of things and so this was very evident to me when I got my first job at this hardware store like a week after graduation I was making about six dollars an hour and so it was about two hundred dollars a week after taxes and I had never so much as even gotten an allowance so this in income felt great to me and instead of thinking oh I like having money let me keep it my thought process had become let me use this money to buy things that will make me happy or make me look cool and all those sorts of things and so early adulthood right after graduation I mean I had all the best video games I was going out to eat whenever and wherever I wanted I would even treat my friends sometimes just whatever I could do with that $200 I would do until it was gone And then I'd wait for the next check, and then I'd do it again. And then $200 stopped being enough, right? So then I started overdrafting my account from time to time. Now, keep in mind, I'm still living at home. I have no bills at the time. But again, I've always viewed money as a tool to buy things that made me feel good. Even if that feeling was temporary, I always wanted it, right? And so fast forward a bit, and... Now I'm making close to $20 an hour. This is like a year later. I got a job at a warehouse. I'm making pretty close to $20 an hour. And by that time, I'm paying my way through school. I'm paying my car insurance and I'm paying my cell phone bill. And I still had these same feelings towards money. So even though my income had more than tripled at this time, I was still broke at the end of each pay cycle because of, you know, this relationship that I had with money. That relationship didn't really change Even when I started making, you know, like 55K when I turned 24, I just bought more expensive stuff. I mean, about a month after I started that job, I bought all new clothes for work. Um, I financed a brand new car. I mean, I couldn't really show up to my new job wearing old clothes and an old beater, right? so... That's how I felt at the time about bigger TVs, about better furniture, all that stuff on credit cards. Then my wife and I or a girlfriend at the time settled into a nice brick house. And so that, along with the debt that I was accumulating, was really starting to stretch my budget. But again, when people came over, I wanted them to see that I was finally at least doing all right in life you know I would scrape up enough to take my girlfriend on vacations to places that we both always wanted to see when we were kids and I mean I knew I wasn't rich or anything like that but I was a long way from that apartment complex I grew up in and and like I said I was finally starting to feel like I was doing all right for myself and it felt good to be able to do all that stuff after all those years. And it looked good to my friends. And on top of that, my family would, you know, they'd come around and they'd be like, man, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great things. And so honestly, I can say, like, I didn't really know anything was wrong because I was paying all my bills on time and I did have like a couple grand in savings like I think maybe like 2500 3000 something like that in savings and I mean in my mind that was just what you were supposed to do I had a couple thousand saved up and and that was that so my girlfriend and I we get married uh, with financed rings of course and I decided to take her to the Florida Keys for our honeymoon and so I booked our flights uh, a night in Miami, and then three more nights in this oceanfront room at probably the most beautiful resort in the Florida Keys. Um, and to make a long story short, I really didn't have the money to make that trip what she thought it would be and, and I guess what she felt it would be considering it was our honeymoon. And so we ended up having a, a money discussion on our honeymoon because I got a refund on a canceled snorkeling trip instead of just rescheduling it for another day. And the only reason I did that was because it was the first time in my adult life where I realized just how stretched I was like, I mean, this was an expensive trip. Like I said, it was an oceanfront room. So like when we got there, I felt like we couldn't really spend all crazy on this vacation like the ones that we had taken when we were dating because, you know, now I'm looking at two car payments and both of our debt and rent on this house that was probably too big for the two of us and all this other stuff that we never really talked about you know, before. And so for the first time, I kind of felt like financially overwhelmed. And <laughs> it just sucks that that happened on our honeymoon. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but you know, also, I you know, I felt like a failure as a husband, I felt all the shame. And I felt all this guilt, because I knew just how disappointed Taylor was. And I mean, again, this was our honeymoon. And like, I, I know in her mind, like she's thinking, Man, we could have just gone somewhere cheaper and done more fun stuff like we always did, right? Because that was what we would do. We would go to these little cheap vacations and then we would make them fun. But that little kid in me just always wanted to impress everybody and and that was including her. And so, I mean, for example, I rented a helicopter for a proposal video. I mean, God, man, like... That was just how I did things, you know, but so now we're at this luxury oceanfront resort and it wasn't even an all inclusive. And so (laughs) I'm being hesitant to go out and do anything fun that costs money because we have all these bills and she's upset. And again, I just feel like a failure as a husband. And I knew that I just never wanted to feel like That because of something like money ever again. Right. And so I come home or even before we even get home while we're still on the honeymoon, I start Googling. I mean, I come across two guys that really changed my life forever. And I'm so grateful for them. Dave Ramsey, who you'll probably hear a lot on this podcast and Jerem Person Lynn of Brass Knuckle Finance. And so I went through. I bought these guys' books. I read any blogs they had. I read all their social media posts, any videos or interviews they had, and everything I could to just soak up all this financial knowledge because I wanted to come up with a plan to to fix this situation. Like I said, I never wanted to feel that feeling again, and so I just knew I had to do something. I just didn't know what that something was, and so these two men kind of helped me build a framework that worked for us. They they have some of the same ideas, some of them different, and so I use both of their strategies to come up with something that worked for us and and it did work and i mean 16 months after that honeymoon disaster i had side hustled we had moved into a cheaper place we had sold a bunch of junk we didn't need we had cut our budget down far enough to pay off the sixty-one thousand dollars that we owed So, yeah, $61,000 in 16 months. So this was February of 2016. And fast forward to today, and now we live on one income while investing the other one. And and I believe this decision to stay disciplined after being debt free has really helped us build our net worth. And and I don't get into specifics of that, but it is currently sitting in the six figures. And so, you know, we're also on track to pay off our house in only nine years and by that time, we should have a high enough liquid net worth to not need to depend on traditional jobs for income ever again. And so that'll be around the time we're $39, 40 ish Now, most days you'll find me in $20, $30 pair of jeans, a 5 $10 basic t-shirt, and a pair of shoes that I probably spent less than $60 on. I still drive that same car that I bought brand new at my first job like six years ago. I have no plans of getting rid of it until it just doesn't work. Even when we were house shopping, we bought like half the amount that we were approved for. Uh, And even to this day, we don't even have cable in our house. Right. So our spending habits have just gone through a complete change. But that's not to say we live like hermits or anything. I mean, we spend pretty extravagantly on stuff that matters to us. So like just this year, we've been on four vacations with one more coming. Uh, Our daughter's been on, I think, three of those. Uh, and so we're both also homebodies, you know, when we're not traveling, we like entertaining family and friends. So we upgraded some small things in our house, a little bit at a time to make it a place that we love spending time. And so, you know, that's one of the ways we spend money. I'm a big Lakers fan. I go see, you know, them play whenever it fits my schedule, even though I live in Houston. You know, we buy great seats to any concerts we want to see. And And again, we just spend money on things that actually matter to us that we get to do together as a family. But we can do this not just because we're debt free, because we've mastered contentment, right? We consistently tell ourselves no to things like overpriced name brand shoes, expensive clothes, new cars, um, that bigger house that we could have got or whatever trends are happening. And we just really try to enjoy the things that we have. So I'm going to share our secret to becoming more content. You ready? The secret is we started practicing gratitude. It's that simple. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, we choose to focus on the good things in our lives and we're grateful for those things, like genuinely grateful for those things. So our neighbor went out and bought a brand new car. I didn't even trip on that because I can reflect on all the incredible road trip memories we have in our cars and how these cars get my family everywhere we need to go safely every single day. So I'm grateful for those cars we have. One of my good friends bought this beautiful, huge house, and I didn't start looking for things that were wrong with my house. I went over there, I sincerely congratulated him, and then I continued to make amazing memories in the house that we chose to raise our family in. I'm grateful for this beautiful home that we've been blessed with. See, I don't need new material items to be filled with joy. I just need to be grateful and content in this season that we're in right now. And that level of gratitude and contentment is what's transformed my story. So. I'm grateful for even the tough parts of my childhood, because without everything that I saw and everything that I went through as a child, I wouldn't be in this position podcasting and getting to share these awesome stories with you. And my hope is that with this podcast and these stories that we inspire you to create your own story, your own journey to wealth, whatever wealth looks like for you. And if you're ready to take action, here's one thing you can start with. Look at your spending habits. And when I say that, I don't want you to just think about what you might be spending money on. I mean, really sit down with a bank statement and categorize all of your purchases for the last month or two. Now, nobody, including myself, is gonna condemn you for what you buy. That's not what this is about. If you place an extreme value on a daily coffee from that big name coffee shop, hey, you do you. But I do want you to ask yourself this, based on what you find in that bank statement, are you truly spending based on what you actually say you value? Or are you spending your hard-earned money mindlessly? Maybe you buy things hoping they fill a void in your life or make you look cool or some other shallow reason that I've been there, I've been there. That's what we need to address. So hear me, there will always be bigger TVs, newer cars, nicer clothes, bigger houses, fancy restaurants, bunch of other stuff that will feed off of your lack of contentment and keep you from living a wealthy life. For example, If you say you value time with your family, but your spending habits lead you into car and credit card debt, and that debt forces you to work extra hours or a second job, and you start missing dinner with your family and your kids sporting events and all those sorts of things, it's probably time to reevaluate and make some adjustments. So here's how you can address this. I want you to write down what you would want your life to look like if you didn't have to wake up and go to work every day just because you have bills and debt. Now, maybe you'd still go to work because you find fulfillment and purpose in what you do. And I think that's great. I love it. I am not anti-work. I'm anti-settling for less than what you want out of life. So be sure that that's the case. But once you've written that down, ask yourself this question. If I never alter my spending habits, will I ever reach that dream life? And if you're going the wrong way, figure out what changes you need to make to your spending and then take action. I do have a worksheet you can use to help you with this, and I'll put it in the show notes, which you can find at slash mtm1. That's slash the letters mtm1. You can also join the wealthy neighborhood where we talk about this kind of stuff. Um, you can find that over at to slash neighbors. That is slash neighbors. Well, neighbor, that's all the time we have on this beautiful Monday. I hope you have an incredible week and you make great money choices. Be sure to stop back by on Wednesday to hear from Amazon best selling author Rachel Hannibal. She's going to be talking about her journey out of debt and how we can teach kids about handling money from a very early age. It's a great interview. You're not going to want to miss it. But thanks again for stopping by and checking out this episode of Money Talk Monday. We'll talk soon.